to sort of start the year and and as well like like Tony was saying there's there's lots of needs in our community and and just sort of the season that we're in um and and looking for a new senior pastor in transition and on top of that just prayer is I guess it's one of those things that almost everyone um believes in and says yes it's so important to pray and and prayer is powerful and prayer is good um but there's probably not many of us who would say like do you know what I'm really great at I'm really great at prayer like I'm just ace in prayer at the moment like I'm on top of it it's it's amazing like and and, and if that's you that's awesome like keep keep going but for most of us um it, it, prayer can easily even become a burden it's like oh something we should do more I need to pray more and that never helps that that often will have the opposite effect um but the kind of idea is well what would it look like to just as a community let's let's encourage each other let's let's have a bit of a focus season um to to again highlight the importance of seeking God in prayer of being a community of people who pray uh and and centered around God its reality and his presence and his power um and and just use this season as a way to encourage each other and inspire each other and equip each other and support each other so it's not at all like a a burdensome like pressure thing but like let's let's engage in this together and um part of that uh, you might have got an email from me this week with with some info about different sort of ways to help facilitate prayer this month um if you didn't get that and would like that um please come and chat to me or email the office or i did put some paper copies out on the welcome desk um today so there's some paper copies there's a few different resources to to help and support but but another thing we're going to do is just teach on prayer over over the next few weeks um just to help and support that and i guess in some ways again even coming to teach on prayer is such a big topic um and, and can almost feel a bit overwhelming or maybe when maybe it's even been your experience you come to pray and it, it can sometimes be overwhelming it can kind of go both ways sometimes it's like i have no idea what to say or it can be the other thing is it's like there's so much to pray for like like where do we start like when do we stop like like it can be so difficult and and sometimes this is a sense of being overwhelmed and and just this idea where do we start and what i want to do today is not not bring like a fully comprehensive answer to that this is not at all like like one sermon on prayer that just fixes everything but today just to say as we start this month as we kind of seek to develop more of a posture of prayer a great place to start is actually with the lord's prayer which i think that's just gone off at the moment yeah that's good is to start with the lord's prayer which is the prayer jesus taught us and and we're a community of jesus disciples like jesus we're a church of christ this place is all about jesus and we are his disciples or better word maybe apprentices so we base our life on jesus life on on following him and his apprentices who were following him saw that he so valued prayer he would often go off into the night to pray he would be talking to his father he would go up the mountain and and they would see him praying all the time eventually they would ask him to teach them how how do we pray like how do we do this and this is what he taught them and there's a good chance you're familiar with this prayer we even said it off by heart lots lots of us said it this morning um maybe you were taught it as a kid um when i was growing up um there's a lady who was really influential in my faith it was the next a neighbor across the street we were good friends with her kids and we would sleep over their house and every night when we slept over there she would pray with us and she'd say the lord's prayer with us as we went to bed and that was really influential for me as a young kid and and, and maybe you had some like that or maybe you're like what's the lord's prayer like I've got no idea what maybe you never heard that before and that's that's fine as well and this is basically this this sort of structure that Jesus gave to pray and often often it ends up becoming something we just say by rote or or read um but actually that there's there's a great depth to it as a structure to to help facilitate prayer not just as like a a reading it or or saying it by rote 
but actually using it as a way to help launch into prayer almost like a starting place. So what I want to do today is kind of think through this, but in a little bit of a different way. Um, what I'm going to do is not so much teach through the passage, but I want to take an idea. Um, it's from a chapter in, in a book by N.T. Wright called um, Simply Good News, and he talks about the Lord's Prayer as like a, a central prayer for, for Christians. But he talks about how often the way we approach prayer is actually not at all like the Lord's Prayer, or it is in a sense, but it's actually backwards. Often when we come to pray, or maybe just people in general, because lots of people pray. In fact, probably majority of people pray at least sometimes, or at least when things are really hard. But often we approach prayer not, not the way the Lord's Prayer is, but actually starting from the end. It's kind of a little bit like, imagine you were invited to dinner at like this awesome house, like, like a mansion. Like this house is probably not in Kalanga, it's probably like in Bridgman Downs or something like that. Like it's not, it's not around here. You don't really know the area, but somehow you've been invited. Um, there's, there's a host that's waiting for you, excited for you to come around. Um, but you don't really know this place. Like, you don't really know how do you even get in there. Like, it's so big. And you're kind of driving in, but you kind of end up going in the wrong way. And you kind of take that driveway that goes around the back, and you find yourself out the back. And maybe it's nighttime, and it's kind of dark, and there's other cars around. And you kind of find that you sort of don't really know where you are, but you can see the house is there, but you see an entrance, so you just take it. And it ends up being the back entrance. And you come into the back of this house, and you kind of are in the house, which is good, but you've not come in the front. And you kind of need to find the hosts, and you kind of need to say that you're here so they don't keep looking out for you. So you start making your way through this house from the back. And he uses this analogy as, as in some ways, how we often approach the Lord's Prayer. We actually often approach it from the back, which is not terrible. It, it's better to pray at all than, than, to, than to not pray. And, and it's better to come in the back of the house rather than give up and not even go at all. Um, but, but what we're going to do is just, we're actually going to teach through the Lord's Prayer backwards this morning as a way that sometimes this is how we pray it, and, and then look at what would it look like to not do that, but to start from the front. So the end of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, like John read out, actually finishes um, with lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The, 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 the bit that we add afterwards for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory is maybe, maybe what Jesus taught, but it's not in the most original manuscripts. Um, it probably says that in your Bible. There might be like a little note that says that. Um, but so we're going to start from this, that's saying that this is the end. And this is often the way that people will pray. Maybe not this formal, <laughs> but some version of this saying, basically, God, help, like, deliver us. Like, most people will pray when you're in, under pressure, when you're in a really difficult situation, when bad stuff is happening to you or bad stuff is coming to you, it's pretty normal response to pray. Maybe without even realizing it, just to pray, God, deliver us. Or like a more simple word is just help God, help. God, stop this. God, fix this. Maybe we're under pressure, and we, and we say, God, get rid of the pressure. God, God, take the trial away. Take the temptation away. Take the issue away. That, that's kind of, when we're under pressure, there's normally a way that we sort of can come to prayer. And this is part of the Lord's Prayer. Again, it's part of the house that, 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 that Jesus taught us to actually pray to, to deliver us from evil. Actually, if we're facing really difficult situations or if we're facing... Um, yeah, evil in, 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 in life, whether that's in, in sickness or it's in, in, in danger or it's spiritually, to actually pray for deliverance, to pray for help. Also, we're called to pray that God would not lead us into, into difficult situations where our faith will be tested and, and tried. We're actually to pray, actually, it'd be better if we didn't have to do that. 
It would be better to just to stay in the place where we're sort of safe and secure. But if we do go there, that God would deliver us. So this is a good prayer to pray. And better to pray it than not pray it at all. Um, but often where we might start with deliver us, God help us. Again, another way that we would often pray is kind of at the end of the Lord's Prayer, which is forgive us our debts. And again, often prayer might be a thing that we come to do when we know that we need forgiveness. We've done wrong. I mean, it may be the opposite as well. When we've done wrong, we don't want to talk to God. But, but often it, it may be the case that uh, we've sinned in some way, we've stuffed up, we've made a mistake, we've done the wrong thing, and we realize, like, we need to get right. Like, like we need forgiveness. We need, we need this guilt or this sense of uh, this sense removed. And, and people often come and pray, God, forgive me, my sin, cleanse me, heal me. Maybe not necessarily remember the second part, which is as we have forgiven our debtors. But this is, this is part of this prayer, that, that we don't just receive forgiveness, but, but as we receive it, we release other people as well. These two things kind of go together. God's forgiveness empowers us to forgive others. And in some ways, that by receiving his forgiveness, part of that involves letting others go. And again, that can be difficult and, and takes time, but this is, this, is, this is sort of the way Jesus is, is teaching. So often we might start with that as well. Deliver us, help God, or, or forgive us. We need, we need forgiveness. We need cleansing. Or on top of that, we may pray, give us today our daily bread. And again, bread can refer to, to food, like the daily sustenance or daily needs, what we need to survive. And again, a normal thing to come to in prayer is, is what we need. God, God, we need, maybe there is a desperate need for food and, and it's right to pray and ask for it. Maybe there's a desperate need for finances or for work. Uh, maybe there's just a need for a sense of peace and faith in the day and it's just there's a, there's a troubling situation and we just need wisdom even or, or, or strength um, or God's presence. And, and he, like we said, he's our father and, and part of that is asking him for things and it's a valid form of prayer. But often, and, and again, it's good to be in the house, even if we get in the wrong way, and it's good to pray no matter what. It's better to pray for our needs than not pray at all. But in some ways, we're kind of going backwards through the back door. Deliver us, forgive us, give us our daily needs. And in some ways, these kind of so often end up being starting with ourselves, starting with our fears, starting with our feelings or our mistakes, or starting with our needs or desires. And again, not, not that that's wrong, or bad, but what would it look like to maybe do it differently? So imagine we're sort of going through the house. We're going through, the, come through the back door. Maybe there's like, this is like a mansion. So there's like servants and stuff in the kitchen. And you've seen all this hustle and bustle. The dinner table's laid. But you're sort of moving forward now. And now we're kind of getting more into the foyer. And maybe even get into a place where you can kind of start to see the host. And he's like there looking out the door, waiting for you to come in the front door. So we're sort of making our way towards the front now. And we see even in this prayer that it kind of shifts this prayer says, now your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe if we start at the back door, sometimes we may not actually get to this. That actually this idea of praying that the world would reflect what it would look like when God is king. That, that God is the true ruler. That, that actually heaven is the place where God reigns and where everything that God wants done is done. That's, that's heaven. Like when God's will is perfectly followed... That's heaven, and this is the dimension that God dwells in. And God's desire is that earth and heaven are together. That's how it was in the start. That's where everything's heading in the end. And his, his call is that we pray that that would begin to happen in greater and greater measures now. That Jesus came announcing that the kingdom of heaven is here. And we're actually to pray, your kingdom come. 
actually to, to think, well, actually, in, in my heart, God, would your kingdom come? Would you reign more in my heart? In, in the, the, the areas where we live, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, we pray, God, your kingdom come. Would, would your will be done here on earth? God, would, would the injustice that's not in your will be dealt with, God? Would relationships be reconciled? Would people be healed? Would people see and recognize that you're king? And actually to pray, God's kingdom come. It keeps going then as well to hallowed be your name. As we were singing before, this idea of praise and honor and glory to God's name. I mean, we don't necessarily use the word hallowed, but this idea of like your name be kept holy. Or another way to say it, even honor and glory to your name. To actually pray that God's name would be respected and honored and, and seen for who he is. Uh, we talked about this, uh, I think it was last week, we talk, looked at Exodus and, and when God reveals his name to Moses and that he's the Lord, he's compassionate and gracious, he's slow to anger, he's forgiving and, and, and loving, yet he's also just. And that's that he is so good actually to pray that people would see who he is, see his name and, and honor and glorify and reflect his name. As we get to now, this, to getting really close to the start of the, to the sort of the entrance, and we see the host, and then he realizes like we've come in the back door, and he's kind of maybe a bit surprised, but he's just happy that we're there. He greets us, and then we turn and see the host is actually our Father in heaven, the person we're praying to. Jesus invites us into prayer to. It's not a distant God far away, not an angry God, but a Father. Again, a compassionate and gracious. Father in heaven. Again, in heaven is not saying that he's just far away, that we'll see him when we die, but the heaven is the place that he dwells. And actually, Paul talks about how we live and move and have our being. He's actually near us. He, he's present. He's our Father who is close. And actually, that, that's who it is we're praying to. You see the difference. Like, we start, we're praying to, so to Heavenly Father. We start, if we start at the back, in some ways, we kind of can start with our real desperate situations for, for release of pressure and, and deliverance or our forgiveness and needs, but the prayer shifts to God's kingdom, God's name, who he is. And again, better to be in the house than not at all, better to pray than not at all, but what would it look like to start differently? What would it look like to not start at the back, but to actually start at the front, to actually start with God? This prayer that Jesus invites us to pray is not to start primarily with where we're at, and again, there, there may be relevant times for that, particularly in the Psalms, there's laments when people, all they can do is just pour out their heart and their grief to God, and that's, and that's valid and, and right. But this prayer, interestingly, doesn't start there. It starts with God. It starts with His nature, that He's our Father. It starts with His glory and His name. It starts with His purposes. And actually, we pray for those things first. And then, in light of that, Approach our needs, our weaknesses, and our troubles. And again, he invites us to pray for all of them. But, but the order can shift, shift things. It can shift the way that we approach those needs. This is a quote from Wright. He says it this way. If we approach the Lord's prayer backwards, then we are bound to make the mistake of reducing God's kingdom to God doing what we want him to do. That, of course, is to turn God into an idol, a tame puppet that we invoke to get our own way. I don't, know if that, I don't know if we're bound to do that, but there's a danger in doing that, I suppose. That if we approach prayer just focused on our needs, 
just focused on a, a tool or a means to get God to do what we want, in, in some ways we end up turning God into an idol. We end up turning prayer into a tool to manipulate God, to, to shift him to do what we want. And this isn't, this isn't saying that prayer doesn't influence God, because it does. But it's not so much that we want him to do what we want. We want to submit to his will and pray that his will be done. And actually, that's the core need that we have, to align ourselves to him and then to partner with him to fulfill his purposes, for his name to be glorified, for his kingdom to come on earth. And in, in that, in the midst of that, that we receive our daily needs and forgiveness and help from trial as well, that they're still valid. It's interesting, like this, you, you may have experienced this idea of like, sometimes the, the presenting problem that you're facing is not the real problem. It can be a symptom. Like, like there's an issue that, that you're facing, uh, maybe it's emotional or spiritual, physical, or like, it could be anything. But there's, there's like the presenting problem that's obvious, or the need that's obvious. But often, the issue is not really the issue. Like, there's, there's an issue under the surface. I experienced that this week with my car. And... Uh, so most of you know that I, I, me and Tam don't know much about cars. And again, this story is just going to reinforce that a whole lot. And basically, we, um, Tam was driving and we were talking on the phone and, and found out that she'd pulled over because the car had overheated. And there was this weird mist gas sort of stuff coming out of the air vents. And it just, it just happened that Dad and I were in the car. And we actually weren't far away. So we came to see her. She pulled over on Bray's Road. And car's overheated. So we're thinking, oh, well, we'll just like leave it and we'll drive home and come and get it later on when it's cooled down. And she's like, oh, the, the, the temperature's gone down a bit, so I'll try and drive it home. So we drive it home. She had to stop again on the way and then let it go down and then, then drive it back. And then, and then, again, we're not very smart with cars. We didn't, like, don't even really think to look under the hood and actually see what's wrong. We're just like, oh, well, it's just a problem with the car. I have to call a mechanic or something like that. And the next day, again, I drove it again a little bit, which I probably shouldn't have done. But then afterwards, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I should just look under the hood. I look under the, the, the hood, and there's, like, basically no coolant in it at all. It's, like, pretty much empty. Like, you can barely even see it. I'm like, oh, that makes sense why the car's overheating. Like, <laughs> like there's no coolant. So I figure out how to get coolant, go to super cheap, fill up the coolant, and now, now it seems to be pretty good. Again, there could be something else going on there that's causing that. But, but the presenting problem, right, of, like, car overheating or, like, mist or gas coming out, like, that's a symptom. That's not the real issue. The real issue is that there's no coolant under the surface. Like, that's, that needs to be refilled. It needs to be dealt with. And in some ways, in our lives, we have needs and, and we have maybe problems and, and situations or fears. But sometimes they're the symptom. They're the presenting problem. But the real issue under the hood is that that's actually become the center of our vision. This, this problem has become the thing that we're fixated on or focused on. When we're not designed to be focused on the problem, we're designed to be focused on God. And actually, just simply coming back to a place of, actually, that's right. Life is not centered around me and my comfort and my, my safety. Life is actually centered around you. And actually, you're a father. And actually, I want your name to be glorified. And actually, I want your kingdom to come. And, and actually positioning ourselves back in that place of actually God, God is center. God, God, his nature, his purposes, he, he comes first. And then our problems, sometimes, like, the symptom may disappear. Like, sometimes if it's, if it's fear and anxiety, sometimes just, like, putting him in the right place can actually deal with that. Um, other times, it just can give us the perspective to approach the issue that we're facing in a different way. And actually, this, this prayer that Jesus gave, 
to start with who God is, what he's doing, his name, his glory, and then come to our issues, let them be shaped by him, can actually get under the surface to our real issue. That often we're a bit obsessed with our own problems and own issues and needs and we've forgotten who he is and we're not resting and trusting in him as our father. So the invitation of this prayer is to, is to start with him, to, to remember him. And this takes intentionality, right? It's, it's so much easier just to start with our desperate felt needs rather than to, rather than to stop and position back, God, you are God, and, 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 and honor and knowledge and then come to our needs from there. So what would it look like to pray from the start? Again, this is not saying it's, it's wrong to pray from the end, but what would it look like differently to, to enter the front door to greet the host and to walk with him through the, the, the um, foyer, through into the dining room, to sit down together, to discuss together these issues of life. What would it look like to start with Father? And, and I encourage you, maybe this month, especially if you're not sure where to start, and maybe if you've never done this before, to, to try using the Lord's Prayer as a structure. Again, like a house or a mansion, like, like the big one there, the, the point is not the structure of the house, right? Like Like... The point is not to build a house, to have a house. The point is to live in it. The point is to enjoy it. The point is to have people around for dinner, to like walk around in it. And in some ways, the Lord's Prayer is a structure more than it is just a list of words that we sort of say by rote. It's actually a structure. And, and the cool thing about it, I've started doing this the last year or two, and I found it so helpful, is to use it as a structure, not so much to um, just read, but to dwell in and to kind of be creative with or to explore. So to actually say... The first door, Heavenly Father. And not just move on, but just sit there and talk to God as Father. And, and thank Him that He's Father. And, and thank Him that we're adopted. And just talk about how, how good He is. And maybe say, thank you so much, Father, that, that you were with me yesterday and you provided in this way. And I just, just thank you that you're good and you're kind and compassionate. And just sort of sit and, and just have some freedom in that idea of God as Father. Then move on and hallowed be your name and, and pray that his name will be lifted high and just spend some time in worship and just declaring him and just recognizing his goodness and, and, and maybe singing to him. And then spend some time praying for his will, that his kingdom. Maybe think of, um, again, like we said, the, the spheres where you, where you live and, and what would it look like for God to be king there? What would it look like for him to reign in our hearts more? Or maybe even spend some time praying for those who don't know him, that his kingdom would come in their hearts. Then we move on, and, and then as we get to daily needs, we list some daily needs. Maybe we list the things that we really feel we need today. Uh, maybe we pray for needs for others, but we sort of have some freedom within that structure. When we get to forgive us, maybe we, we confess some specific sins from the day before. Maybe we, we think of people that have offended us that, that day or that the day before, and we just release them. And we think of, and we just ask protection, and we ask deliverance, and we ask for for, for, for um him to keep us from trial for ourselves and for each other. We kind of use this as a structure to dwell in and to live in and to kind of have freedom with it. And again, it's not at all like a legalistic thing, like you have to start at the start and go through. Like, like some days you might start with one a bit more or some days you might skip through a bit. But, but that this can be a tool to facilitate prayer and, and particularly prayer that can really start with God and center us on him. So what we're going to do to... I think that's just gone off again. Um, I think, there we go, sweet. Um, the interesting thing, we're going we're gonna to take communion. And, and again, what we're saying is this type of prayer is the, the, the prayer that Jesus prayed and, and, and taught us to pray. 
And, the, and Jesus lived this, right? Like he lived his whole life with God as Father. He lived his whole life not, not consumed by the problems and the issues, but by the reality of his Father and who he was and, and, and trusting him. And Jesus was able to face tremendous opposition and even go to the cross because of this trust and dependence on his Father. And it's interesting, there's this prayer in John when, when Jesus expresses maybe even this sort of thing that we've been talking about in, in the sense that sometimes the, 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 what we often want is just, just protection and peace and safety. We just want God to deliver us. We just want God to make the pressure go. And in some ways, Jesus feels the pressure to pray that, but chooses not to. Instead, chooses to pray God's will. This is what he says in John 12. Now my soul is troubled. And he's, he's praying. Again, expressing just our emotions and feelings to God is, is valid. Jesus is doing that. My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. This, this could almost look a bit like deliver me from evil. God, do I just pray, God, just take it away? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus', Jesus response is, is he doesn't start at the end. He starts at the start. He remembers Father, and his prayer is that Father would be glorified. And Jesus goes to the cross, and in going to the cross and, and giving up his life, God is glorified. God has revealed his nature, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. His love is revealed, and that he'll give his son. And his power is revealed in that he's risen from the dead, and his kingdom can now come in, in fullness because he's defeated evil. He's made a way for us to be forgiven. We can now receive forgiveness and offer it to others. We can be protected from evil because of what he's done. This, this is all being achieved and made possible that we can call God Father because of Jesus. Because of the cross. So as we come to take communion today, I encourage you just to, again, we center our life on him, his, his nature, his heart, his love, and it's invitation, again, to follow his way of prayer, of, of, of submission to the Father, of trust. Um, so if I could have some people to come help um, serve communion, uh, if you could like to jump up, that'd be really great. We'll take it in a moment. I just want to leave you with this quote to finish today. Again, as we come to pray, that for this month, just as, as an inspiration, that again, that there's great need to pray, um, but not in a sense of burden or pressure or fear, but with a posture of faith and anticipation and excitement. This is a quote I read this week by Mark Says. He said this, When the state of the world leaves you dismayed, it's not time to worry, but instead to expectantly and excitedly pray. For God builds in the ruins. Resurrection always bursts from a graveyard. Revival springs from a remnant. And again, as we take communion, we, we celebrate Jesus is alive. God is powerful. And as we pray, he hears our prayers and he is powerful to move in us and to move in our neighborhood and our community, our society. So, so we just want to give this month to the Lord in prayer. Um, so we'll take communion now.